0: If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. He lived there 2 whole years at his own expense and welcomed all those who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And then 2 Timothy 4:68. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, and a congratulations for getting through the book of Acts. Well done, everyone. Well done. Well done. If you're new to us, we started a series in the book of Acts at the very first Sunday of January. And we're going to close it today. And it started off with a bang. It started off with Jesus's ascension and the Spirit's descension upon a group of people, which began the church. And then from the very beginning, thousands were added. And then we read on, and, and thousands more were added, and many amazing things were happened. And then persecution hit, and some other trouble hit, but that didn't stop the gospel, but it actually accelerated. And it went across racial lines. It went across geographical lines, beyond Israel into places like Syria and Asia, in Africa. We saw it going to Greece. And as we end today, we see that uh, it hit Paul's dream destination for the gospel of Rome. And, and the crazy thing is, is I don't know if you ever thought about this, this is just a part of the, the church that we see. I mean, we're just reading about what Luke was able to get a hold of. I mean, certainly the gospel moved further north up into Asia, further west and south into Africa. Uh, but even if you just looked at this one group of people, this 120 believers from the very beginning, and, and you follow that, which is the story of Acts. And we did that the very, I don't know if you remember that. We did that the very first uh, Sunday as we went through this series. And we looked at what started with 120 people in just 28 chapters in 30 years, became thousands and thousands of people in 40 different, more than 40 different churches. And in that very first church, we just kind of dreamed a little bit like, man, what can we do in the next 30 years, right? Like, what kind of impact can we have on neighborhoods? What kind of impact can we see on our nation's racial walls? What kind of racial walls can be torn down? What sort of community can be developed and generosity unleashed? What sort of signs and wonders could, we put on, could be put on display? If we were to cry out and say, God, would you stretch out your hand and do a miracle in our day? You know, what kind of, how many churches could we see planted? And and as we were saying these things, there was this feeling like, is that presumptuous of us? Like, like, can we really ask for those kinds of things? And like, you know, that was then and this is now. And so we kind of, I, I, I showed you a little chart just to kind of compare the early church and Julie church. You remember this chart? Well, that's okay if you don't. I'm not hurt. So, like, the early church, we, like, we have the same God, the same God, right? Saint, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, we got the same God. We have the same commission. If you're new to, to the church, the church has a, every church has the same mission statement, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing people and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. We have the same commission, but not only that, we have the same empowerment. God wants to give us power from on high. We have the same empowerment. And now, you got to follow me here. We have, the, we have the same Bible, but actually, we have a better Bible. Now, let me explain it. They, they just had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament because the New Testament hadn't happened yet. Right? OK? So we have the New Testament. But not only that, we have like tons and tons of access to Bibles and commentaries and, and all kinds of maps and stuff like that and, and specific Bibles, Bibles for singles, Bibles, uh, for 28-year-olds. I mean, we have like Bibles for everybody. Like if you, there is a Bible made just for you. I guarantee it. And uh, we, but actually we have a bigger core group. Like we have more people than they did. They had 120. We have over like 800 something people that meet every week in four different locations. Uh, we we have more access to education if that's an advantage. And we have uh, more, we have technology. And we have experience, so like as we begin to think about, it, it's like, well, not only do we have, not only is is it the same, but actually we have we have more advantages in the early church. Have so then we began to wonder, like, well, for us to think that we would do anything less than what we see in the early church, uh, not only is it not presumptuous, but it made dishonoring not to have those kind of big thoughts. So we just began to dream like thirty years is, is a book of acts. And so we looked around the room, we're like, well, man, there are people here who have a whole entire book of Acts left in their life. If the life expectancy is 85, and some of us have two. Some of us have three, uh, but even those that are like, you know, in the retirement age, like 65, 70, we have like a half a book of acts left. Like there's a lot, a lot of life left to live. And so we decided that after 22 years of being a church, we are not going to slow down. We are not going to take it easy. We're not going to avoid risk. We are citizens of heaven. We are members of God's family. We are soldiers in his army, not fighting. A, a physical battle, but a, a spiritual one, and we're meant to be fighters and not spectators. And so we need, to, we need to hear the warning not to settle. We don't want to become like Rocky in Rocky 3. Here's what happened to Rocky 3. So Rocky, you know, he, like, he had won all these fights, he had won some money, he had won some fame, but he lost his edge. And then Mickey the trainer came to him and said, The worst thing that could ever happen to a fighter happened to you. You got domesticated. And the church can never afford to get domesticated. We can't be about like, you know, buildings and comfy chairs and we just come here every week to affirm each other in what we already believe. And we go home and do whatever we want. And we gotta be different than that. We have to dream bigger thoughts. We can't get domesticated. You see, here's the truth, that everybody in this room, we no, none, nobody here can choose how they're gonna die. But you do get to choose how you're gonna live. And Acts invites us into a different story. In fact, the last several chapters of Acts—we're just going to squeeze into one message—is about Paul, and um, we see a glimpse of how the 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 apostle Paul lived. And in the summary statement, he's like, he's able to say at the end of his life because he saw the incoming. He says, "I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished my race." Like I put it all on the field. I did not live domesticated. I did not leave anything on the field. I poured it all out. And so he's someone we can learn from. So that's what we're gonna do. So how did Paul live? That's how we wanna end the series. How did Paul live? He lived, I'll sum it in two two ways. He lived spent and he lived sent. He lived spent and he lived sent. He lived spent. Paul's view of of his life is that he was not the owner of it, nor was he the purpose of it. In other words, he wasn't the own authority of his life, nor was he trying to live for himself. He said this to the Corinthians this way in, in chapter four. But with me, it is a very small thing that you should be, um, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. So he's like, I don't care what you, any of you guys think about how I'm living my life. I do not, I think very small thoughts about how the world thinks about how I should live. And then he says this, which is even more impressive. In fact, I don't even judge myself, so I don't even care what I think. I don't, care what, I don't care how I think I should live my life. You know why? It's the Lord who judges. So I'm very in tune with how this thing called life works. So I, to, to live spent, to live the life, no regrets, fight the good fight, turn down the volume of what the world, how the world says we should live. But here's another one. We turn down the volume of how we think we should live. And we turn up the volume of how God thinks we should live. In other words, we are a nickel in God's pocket and he can spend us any way he wants. That's how Paul lived. So much so that he said to the Galatians, he says, you know what? I don't know, my, my life, I am crucified to this world. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ. I don't even wanna be involved in any decision in my life. I'm gonna live the way God wants me to live, and this meant that he was to live for the glory of God and the benefit of others. That's why he said in in Second uh, Timothy, chapter four, verse six. I don't know if you saw this. He says, "My life is poured out as a drink offering." That's how he saw his life. My my life is a drink offering. That Greek word for poured out is spendo, where we get our word spent. It literally referred to this liquid that was poured out on a lamb before it was sacrificed on. An altar. And Paul uses this language all throughout his writings. So for example, in Romans 12, he said something very similar. He said, in light of who God is and what he's called us to do, our lives should be every day presented as a living sacrifice. And that word sacrifice meant killing. So literally he's saying like your life should be a living killing. That every day your life, that your life doesn't end, you wake up... Got breath today. I am to present myself as a living killing. I am to live spent. So much so was this in Paul's thinking that they were like, Paul, what's your thing? Like, how do we refer to you? We see this guy doing this over here, this guy over. To, you know, should we call you, you know, Paul the apostle? Should be Paul the leader? Should you be Paul the, you know, the teacher, Paul the writer, Paul the blogger? He like, No, 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 no. Don't, don't call me any of those things. This is how one should regard me. I am Paul the servant. Which is exactly how he he uh, when he looked at the life of Jesus. That's exactly what he saw. Very famously, he says this to the Philippians. He says, "Do nothing." So he tell, he's doing some teaching, doing some instruction to the church, which is us. He says, "Do nothing from selfish ambition." In other words, don't do anything because that's what's what you want to do. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. So I'm not. I, you know, you're not here for me, but I'm here for you. It's another way of saying that. Let each of, I already said that part, um, have this mind amongst yourselves. So the good news is this is the way you're supposed to think, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So if you're a Christian here today, this mindset is available to you. So what is the mindset? It means that we are, we are to take everything that we think is ours. So he, for him, it was quality, I mean, he's God. He didn't consider any of that to hold on to. So he didn't hold on to who he was but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So here's the thing about Paul and Jesus. Serving wasn't just something that they did. Being a servant is how they positioned themselves before other people. Are you tracking with the difference? So this is another way of living. So uh, they didn't just say, okay, well, today I should should do this. I should do this. Oh, I should kind of pushing some serving here and there, and, you know, maybe I'll go over to the shelter over here, and I'll do some serving over there, or maybe, you know, I'll do this. No, 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 that's not how they, they, they said, okay, my life, my, my life, my identity, in other words, I'm positioning myself as a servant before other people. Jesus said very famously, I think we have this on one of our t-shirts, um, or we used to anyway, uh, Mark 10, uh, 45 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. These are two different ways of viewing the world. One is to, my life is, is being served by other people or my life is to serve other people. Two, different, two radically different ways of living. So Jesus is saying, look, you're gonna either live your life one or two different ways. You're either gonna live your life spent for other people or you're going to live your life where you expect others to spend for you. I've not come to not come to have other people spend their life for me. I have come to spend my life for other people. I'm giving it away as a ransom for many. two different way two different operating systems. One of the things that I have appreciated about what Kanye West has said as of late, because he was being asked, you know, how, you know, are people gonna believe you? Like, you're, you know, you were this way and now you're this way. He says, it's, it's like this. He says like, so, so like when you're asleep, that's one state of being, right? All right, okay. And then when you're awake, that's another state of being. He's like, I was asleep and now I'm awake. And, and, what, and what Jesus is saying, yeah, there's two ways of operating. One is where you, you spend your life for others, or you expect that other people will spend your life for you. And if you're new to Christianity, I just need to—I want to I wanna warn you uh, because you'll—you'll you'll look around. You're like, why are you know? Why would I want to be a Christian? There's all these cranky Christians out there doing. Something. Here's how you become a cranky cr- church person. This is how you become Mister Cranky Church Person. Is that—is that you never mature? And that's what happens. So maturity just. Mat- Garden variety maturity is when you get to that place where you're willing uh, to give more than you receive, and this is what we expect out of our kids. So, like when when our kids were uh, younger, like toddler, two, three, four years old, not one time, not one time did they ever come to us in the beginning of the day, come to the side of our bed, "Mommy, Daddy, is there anything I can do to make your life better today?" (laughs) I never, that never happened. it still hasn't happened, but anyway. It's a story. But we're, so that's immature. You're immature. I, so as a parent, you just expect that they're not going to be that way because they're not mature. Who's given more than anybody ever in the world? Okay. And, 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 and it says in that passage that he, gave, he emptied himself so he gave, and, and what did he get from us? We mocked him. We killed him. In other words, nothing. So if he, so you'd have to say, I mean, I think you could, you'd have to say that Jesus is like the, the, the definition of spiritual maturity, Christian maturity, okay. So maturity is that place. So here's what happens. If you never walk in this, I'm not saying just do a little few serving. So if you don't get into that mode where my life is to be spent for other people, for the glory of God and other people, you you will you won't mature. I just got to warn you. Those of you who are new Christians, if you don't if you don't take that on, you'll you'll become the person that you don't like very much. You become Mr. Cranky Church Person. You'll become Miss Cranky Church Person. Maybe you're sitting by them. If, they, if you are, don't look at them. Just look at me, don't. Uh, this is such a big deal. This is such a big deal. This is, uh, that I, I'm gonna say something really strong. It's gonna be strong, but I'm saying it because I love you and I wanna help you. Are, are you can, I, can I say something really strong to you? Yes. Are you ready for that? say ready. Ready. Okay. Are you sure? Okay. When you think about your life and you think about here's my life five years down the road, 10 years down the road, this is what I would, you would say, this is what I would see as my purpose. If you have that thing in your mind, if that does not include, if that does not include serving other people, So that thing that you're thinking about five years from now, 10 years from now, if that thing that you say, okay, that's what my life is about, if that does not include serving other people, it is not God's purpose for your life. You can just take that up, crump it in a bowl, and just ball, throw it. Brian, how could could you be so sure? Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. That's how I could be so sure. And if you don't like it, you told me I could say it. I asked you, we could, we could play back the video and I could say, are you ready? You said, ready, do you wanna hear this? You said, yeah, I wanna hear it. And I said it, so if you're not happy with it, it's your fault. <laughs> and Jesus said it. You see, we we have such a hard time. It's okay that we have a hard time with it because the disciples had a hard time with it too. They, they couldn't get it. Jesus was over and over saying, this is why I came. This is why I came. This is why I came. And they just never got it. And he kept saying it over and over. I mean, here's, I mean, I could go on all day, but I'll show you just a couple. He said this in Luke 10, 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. In other words, I've not come here for myself. I've came here for people that are lost. God has a big family spread across the world and they're lost and I need to go find them. That's why I'm here. I'm not here for me. I'm here for them. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So here's what's going on. They're like, hey, you know, that's super cool about that seeking to save the lost stuff. That's really good. I'm really good. When are we gonna build the castle? Because we're into making much of ourselves and ruling stuff. Like, that's what we wanna do. And I mean, there was another time, I mean, very similar where they're like... You know, James and John, they got their mom to go and talk to Jesus about this. And so James and John, their mom came to them and said, hey, I gotta tell you about my boys. They're amazing, like James and John powerhouses. One of them should sit on your right. One of them should sit on your left. I mean, you can decide. I think John should go on the right, James and the but you, you know, that's up to you. And they're like, can you even drink the cup that I'm offering you? They're like, yeah, we can drink it, Coke, Dr. Pet, whatever's in there, like, we'll do it. In fact, we'll, we'll drink this out of the silver cup, and Jesus, you can even have the gold cup, but we'll drink whatever you want. He's like, no, 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 my cup is a cup of suffering. My cup is a cup of serving. Jesus emptied himself of all his rights. He took on the role of a servant to the whole world. That's why he got the greatest name. His greatness, in other words, was not defined in how high he ascended, but in how low he descended. And your greatness will be defined that way too. Paul lives spent, Jesus lives spent, but let me ask you, are you living spent? I got good news for you if you're in this church. You've got a lot of great examples around you of people living spent. Um, The Martins lived their life being, I could do this all. I mean, there's tons of people. Martins live their life being spent. My parents live their life being spent. The Nelsons live their life being spent. And beings, not just like, oh, they serve, but if, if you know them, this is the way they are. They, they serve and like they keep on serving, and it's like it's what they want to do. It's not like oh okay I guess so if you if you if I if I need to if I must no it's it's like man there's like a sense of honor. I talked to someone yesterday same thing I, I called them up and I said hey would you consider this? And they were like wow like ooh, ooh. like you'd let me do this I'm like well I guess so and so <laughs> um, but it was a sense of honor and so serve it's not like oh I, I'll do it because we all have this sense of ought to and, and that's not bad I mean like. You know, if like, if you've got like tons of kids and the J kids, like you ought to get in there and help too. Like you ought to do that. If, you, if you're if you being served by other people in this church, you ought to serve other people back. If, you, if your neighbor ne- needs uh, a ride to work, you ought to do that. If you see someone who is poor, you ought to give them something to eat. You ought to do that. But that's not what they say. They don't say I ought to do anything. They say, this is what I want to do. And that's the definition of freedom. Freedom is not being able to do whatever you want to do. Freedom is when whatever you want to do is what you ought to do. And that's what God wants to bring into your life. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to put something in you that you never thought you could do and you never thought you would want to do. So Paul tells the Philippians, he works in both the will and the way. He, he puts in the want to, and he puts in the how to. And it's what he wants to do in your life. And what happens is when we live this way, um, it provokes people. And that's what happened with Paul. His life was lived spent, and it provoked people. It provoked questions, and it provoked opportunities uh, for, the, uh, for the gospel. And that's what Paul discovered when going before uh, Governor Felix and uh, the King Agrippa. You can read about this in Acts 26. Uh, his life provoked questions because what happened is that he appealed to Caesar. Now, let me explain what that means. Is that as a Roman citizen, he could appeal to Caesar. If you, if you got taken to court, uh, you, could, you could go before the, the, the court that was in front of you or you could say, I appealed to Caesar. Now, the thing with doing that is like you had whatever Caesar said was final. Like that was just what you got. And appealing to Caesar, the Caesar at the time, by the way, was Nero, Who's a narcissistic, crazy person? Uh, who ended up, you know, using Christians as candles later? So he said, "I want to give my, I want to appeal to Caesar, even though he had done nothing wrong." In fact, the people who brought charges against him knew that he hadn't done anything wrong, and Governor Felix and King Agrippa knew they hadn't done anything wrong. I'm getting to the point here in a second. Stay with me. Acts 26, 31 and 32, in fact, this is what they say, and when they had withdrawn, that is, the governor and the king said, this man did nothing to deserve death and imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. So here's what's saying. So why did he appeal to Caesar. Well, the reason why he appealed to Caesar because his goal was not to get out of prison. His goal was not to live a healthy, wealthy life. His goal was to preach the gospel and it hadn't gotten to Rome yet. And he knew his one-way ticket to Rome is if he went before crazy, narcissistic Nero. So that's what he did. This was so crazy. In fact, uh, I don't know if it was King Agrippa or or, um, Festus, I forget which one. They said, Paul, are you out of your mind? Provoked that kind of a question. Are you out of your mind? I mean, you could have went to that school. You could have had that job. You could have lived in that neighborhood. You could have done all these things. Why did you push that to the side? He's like, I'm not out of my mind. But since you asked, let me explain to you the gospel. In Acts 26, you have a great Uh, one of the great messages, it's it's a great template actually to tell your own story in Acts 26, that's what Paul does. And that's what our lives are meant to be. As you live spent, it's gonna provoke questions around you. Like people are like, why are you living that way? Why why do you just give your, just like you're just giving your life away. You're giving your money away. You're giving your time away. You're giving your energy away. You're giving your ambitions away. Why would you do that? Ah, let me tell you about Jesus. He lives spent. If you don't know about, man, what is my purpose here? And how do I get involved? How do I do that? Well, that's what we have Growth Trek for. We run that to help you know what your purpose is. And when you know your purpose is, you begin to, your life begins to make a difference. Jesus told the disciples once that there was food. They said, hey, you want to eat? And he's like, there's food that you don't know anything about. And that's what we'll, you know, they're like, I want in on that food. And that's what it is. It's about finding this purpose in God that we never knew existed. And we never even knew that we would want it if we saw it. But he changes us and gives us this life that we would never, ever want. That's what he does. So anyway, so the first thing is to live spent. The secondly is to live sent, to live sent. In verse six, um, he says, the time of my departure has come. And that word "departure" means, um, it means to unloose," which specifically was referring to a rope that would be um, that you would unloosen uh, that from a ship tied to a mat so it 'd go off into sea so to, to release it into sea and he 's saying, "Hey, the time of my departure i 'm getting ready to leave here i 'm getting ready to go on a journey which uh, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm dying here. I'm gonna go back to where I've come from. And Paul had this sense of that he was, he was not of this world, but he was in this world. So he was in it. I mean, he was really in it. In fact, he says, I've become all things to all men. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna run away from people. In fact, I'm gonna run to people. I'm even gonna give up my rights. I'm gonna go to prison so I can take this gospel further. But I know ultimately my home is not on earth. I, I'm, I have a citizenship in heaven, and he lived sent wherever he went. And there are just a few ways that I wanna encourage us to live sent, four ways. Number one, this will be quick, live sent in your witness. One of the guiding principles around how we do church from the very beginning is that we've always wanted to keep the, the church schedule very simple. We just do a couple of things. We, we do Sunday, we, we gather in community groups, and you know every once in a while we'll gather to pray and stuff. Like that. I mean, we just we don't have like just things all every night of the week, you know, we, we don't do that because we want you to have margin to go and to be a witness. So how can you be a witness? We have something very simple called BLESS. It's an acronym of how you can be, and it makes it really simple. One is to think about, think about doing these things every day. How can, I, how can I bless people? How do you bless people? Number one, you, you begin with prayer. That's the B. You just pray for people. You pray for that people in your school. You pray for that person in your work. You pray for that person in your neighborhood. You pray for that person and you think, man, they would never darken uh, the doors of a church. Pray for that person. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. Begin with prayer. Secondly, listen to them. Listen to their struggles. Listen to their joy. Listen to their pain. Um, we have lots of ways. People have lots and lots of ways, endless ways of how they can tell people what they're thinking. There are very few opportunities that people have for others to listen. So we like to talk. We don't like to listen. You listen to them. Listen to them. Thirdly, eat. Show hospitality. Um, Begin with prayer. Listen to them. Eat. 21 opportunities a week to do hospitality. Okay? Three meals a day, Times seven days. That's where I'm getting. For those who aren't math people, that's 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 the math there. Okay, let me show my work. Uh, That's that's how you get there. Um, Twenty-one opportunities in your home, in your lunch space. You know, on the you know whatever. Okay, so you eat. Third, fourthly, serve them. Take a meal when they're sick. You know, mow their yard or shovel their driveway or their walkway when it's snowing. Uh, Help them, serve them, and then story at the right moment as the Holy Spirit leads. Be bold in sharing your story about what God has done for you. And if you live spent as well as sent, uh, you won't have to look for opportunities. Opportunities will come looking for you because they'll be like, man, what's going on here? Are you out of your mind? Why do you live this way? Let me tell you about Jesus. Okay, live sent with your time. Again, this kind of goes with, you know, in order to live sent as a witness, you need to live sent with your time. You need to be okay. You need to humble yourself about what you have to do and, and be okay with interruptions. See, Jesus, when, um, when he said, in order to live in, in my kingdom, you have to become like one of these. So he grabbed a, a child and said, you have to become like one of these children, and, and when I think about children, I, that's what I think about interruptions. In fact, when I was, my kids were younger, it's like, let me introduce you to my three interruptions, Simon, Josie, and, and uh, Ella. These are my three interruptions. Because that's what kids do. They come up and they interrupt you like, hey, daddy, you know, and you have to be okay to have a relationship with them. You have to be okay with interruptions, to, to live as a witness, to live sent. You have to be okay with like, you know, you've got some plans for your week in order to live as a witness, sometimes you have to be okay with those plans being redirected. Live sent in your generosity. When you become a Christian, the old is gone, and the new has come. Everything in your life um, experiences a metamorphosis, it, everything gets converted, including your wallet because money because before you're a christian money is like what you're going after it's like a scorecard or it's security i need enough enough for now i need enough for next week i need enough for when i retire like it's it's security but when you become a christian that's not your security god is your security and now money's just money and you can use it as ammunition in his kingdom live sent in your faith believe god for a glorious future believe god uh, for God to do big things in this church, but not just this church, but all of the churches around the world. Have, b- having faith is synonymous with prayer. I mean, just pray big, bold prayers for teenagers. Pray big, bold prayers for your community groups. Have believe, Live sent in your faith. Pray big prayers. And we've got, a, as I already mentioned, we've got a night of prayer. We, um, I encourage you to, to think about that and be there and to live light, lives of faith sent. And... We need, to, we need to have big thoughts about this. Now, it, it's interesting that the book of Acts, and did you notice how the book of Acts just kind of had a kind of like an anticlimactic ending? Like it just kind of ended with like, is that it? Like, really, that's all, that's all you got? Because it's like, you know, Paul's like, he's in prison and he's, pre, you know, uh, he says, Paul lived there for two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. Proclaiming the God, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness without end. That's it. We don't even know how to end it. Did he, I mean, do we even know that he even got to Caesar? Like, did that ever happen? We're like waiting. It's like a bad way to end the story. Why did it end that way? It just ends with a cliffhanger. We're not told what happens to Paul in his dreams. You want to know why? It's not about Paul in his dreams. It didn't start with Paul, it didn't end with Paul. It's about the spirit and the gospel. And the spirit and the gospel always moves without hindrance. You can imprison a man. You can, you can kill a man, but you cannot kill the gospel. Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by Jeff Goldblum in the original Jurassic Park, way, way back in 1993, um, he plays a great role if you've not seen this movie, um, and then uh, he says this line in the begin- toward the beginning of the movie that kind of represents the theme for the movie. It happened just after he found out that they had genetically engineered all the dinosaurs to be female to control reproduction. And Jeff Goldblum's character says, what you're trying to do is impossible. If there's one thing that history has taught us is that life cannot be contained. It breaks free, it crashes into new territory, breaks through barriers painfully, even dangerously. The doctor replied, Are you saying that two female di- dinosaurs can reproduce on their own? He said, No. I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. The gospel finds a way. It breaks free. It crashes into new territory, it breaks through new barriers, painfully, maybe even dangerously, but it always finds a way. And here we are at Jubilee Church 2,000 years later. And the reason why it ends. So without really, it ends the way it, it does or it actually just kind of ends with the cliffhanger is because it's still being written. It ends there because in a sense, you and I are writing the next chapter. The question isn't, did Paul make it to Rome? The question isn't, the, the question is did the gospel make it to Rome? The question is, did the gospel make it to your city? And you and I are writing that chapter. The same spirit that was blowing through the early church and in Paul's heart is available to you and I So we need to wake up, pray up, sing up, pay up, read up, but don't give up, let up, or shut up until everybody in our communities know about the gospel. We are at the end of Acts in this series, but don't let Acts end in you. Let it continue. That's the whole point. The whole point is that Acts was never supposed to end. It's supposed to keep going and keep going. You and I are not meant to look through the New Testament, places like, you know, like a picture window. Oh, isn't that a nice community? Ah and then just kind of go about our day. That's why it wasn't, why it was written. It was written to show that what happened in the pages of scripture, is meant to happen in your life. And it's meant to happen in your life together. How, do, how is that possible? Well, we live spent and we live sent to whatever God would do. And for for us to think that in our lifetime that we can't see something more than this through us is a dishonoring of God's word. So here's what I want us to do. The band can go ahead and come up. Here's what I want us to do. Um, and We can go ahead and stand. I don't know if I said anything that inspired you or not. But even if I was like the most inspiring person on earth, it would last to like half a Monday. (laughs) It would not have a sustaining impact in your life. Um, But here's what will. And here's what I believe with all my heart. Um, God's spirit, the same one that spoke life to the early church, the same one that spoke through Paul, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is here and wants to speak to each and every one of you. And I thought it would be good just to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close our eyes just to eliminate distractions. And I just want you to, we're just going to take a few moments, and I just want you to listen And maybe you're like, Brian, I don't know that I've ever heard the Spirit say anything to me. I don't even know that I'm really a Christian. Well, the Spirit especially wants to speak to you, wants to invite you into the grace of Jesus. And we need to keep going back to books like Acts to remind ourselves what is meant to be. Because sometimes as Christians, we forget the adventure that God calls us to. So here's an opportunity, not just to read it, but to have the Spirit speak to us. So let's just take a few minute, minute, moments here and allow the Spirit to speak. So just listen.